Hello out there in podcast land and welcome back to Spoilers, a bad movie review show on the Rat Pack Podcast Network, where you also have lots of opinions but zero credentials. Each week we watch a movie, usually a bad one, we crack a couple jokes, give your insight into the film, and we play a couple games at the end. I'm your host, Adam. I'm joined by the maestro. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. And by Cowboy. Welcome back, sexual chocolate. <laughs> sexual white chocolate, right? Mm, sexual yeah. white chocolate. Uh, I, I don't think you can say that. So be, I'd have to be white chocolate. No. You, you, yes, you would have to be. Uh, this week, we celebrate a recent movie released on Amazon Prime. It is an Amazon original, quote unquote, uh, which is not actually original concept, so I'm not sure if they can call it Amazon original, but Amazon did put it out. And it is coming to America, the number two, because it is a sequel to 1988's Coming to America. This is directed by not John. The number two. No, not the number two. The, the, the word two. <laughs> not as in also, but as in where you're going, I guess. Uh, Destination. Going not, to. It's not an article. To and fro. It's um, something. That doesn't matter. This is directed by John Landis. It stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Sherry Headley, James Earl Jones, John Amos, Eric LaSalle, Louis Anderson, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall two more times each. (laughs) Here's the synopsis of the film, then we'll get into our thoughts about it. An extremely pampered African prince travels to Queens, New York, and goes undercover to find a wife. They gain respect for her intelligence and strong will. This is going to be a very dumb question, but have you seen this movie before? <laughs> what, what movie are we doing? Coming to America. T.O. America. I, I've always been in America. It's true. We've, we've always all been in America for the most part. <laughs> Aside from travel. Yes, I've seen this once before. Only once? Many times. Okay. <laughs> Many times. In <laughs> Maestro. Um, well, actually, so much. I've I've seen this movie so much. I didn't have to watch it again, even though I did. I I've got practically the whole thing memorized. Almost. Okay. Maestro, how about you? I've seen this movie several thousand times, <laughs> mainly because this film has been on TV several thousand times. Thank you, Morgan Freeman. I enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, is in the second film, uh, Coming to America, yes. which I, nice. I did watch right before this podcast because I had to. Now, we are recording a little bit late, so by the time you're hearing this, it's already come out and on Amazon, and I've seen it, and we'll talk about that later. Now, this, I was very worried about watching because I had seen it several times as a child. And I didn't know if it was going to hold up watching it this time. But I got to say it did. It really, yeah. really held up. I think we talked about this a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I told you it was going to. In fact, I heard them talking about it on the radio. Um, and they were talking about not very many movies from the 80s hold up. But this one did. And some of the other things they were talking about, like, I know this movie so well that they were like, oh, yeah, instead of McDonald's, it was uh, – and they're like, it was McDougal's. Yeah, McDougal's. I'm like, it was McDowell's. Oh, I was yeah. yelling at the radio like, are you so stupid? Like, Idiots. you're a radio broadcaster. <laughs> you don't know coming to America? 
I think it's been about 10 years since I've actually seen it, maybe. But I even, even I knew McDowell's. In the last podcast, I was saying McDowell's. It's, it's, it's entrenched. It's, part, it's a major part of the movie. I don't know about major, but <laughs> it's a through line, at least. It's well, a good I mean, portion of the film. I mean, they, they, spent- they worked at McDowell's, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, the father, the father of, the, of the daughter owned one of McDowell's. And then that's how they, he meets uh, his bride to be, right? Uh, Lisa. That's how Lisa meets Lisa. Akeem. And then P- Patrice is the other of the sister, daughter, yes. right? Yeah, the sister yeah. of the one that uh, Lisa. likes our likes Arsenio Hall because she thinks he's the prince, right? <laughs> Very much into Akeem at first until oh shit, you guys are rich <laughs> and you're the prince. I'm all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny. The beginning of the movie, they decided to go to Queens because it was named Queens. Yeah. And he was looking for a woman to soil his royal oats. And what a better place to go than the name Queens. We'll find Queens there. Because, well, first of all, it's, it's a coin toss between L.A. and New York. And the coin toss lands on New York. Where are we going to find somebody befitting a king? Ah, Queens, yes. It's clever. It's 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 clever. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, yeah, basically it starts off being a, a fish out of water thing where this king from uh oh I don't say Rwanda, that's not it. Is it Rwanda? No. Lakanda? Uh, it's it's a it's a <laughs> not a I don't even know if it's a real country. What it's was not. It? Now, you, you know, no, hold on. The name is in my head, but until you brought it up, you ever have that moment where you know yeah. exactly what, and then somebody goes, what's the name? And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Now I can't think of it. Damn it. I messed it up. I think uh, Wakanda is uh, Black Panther. <laughs> Rwanda <laughs> is a real place. This place is something else. Now you keep throwing names. Now I've, <laughs> now I've forgotten totally what it's called. Shit. The, oh, no. Do you remember the name, Mishra? The name of the the, the country? <laughs> you lost me in McDowell's. <laughs> oh no! All right, I'm gonna have to look it up, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it's not that important <laughs> to the story. Had, it was interesting uh, to see this African uh, prince and king and the way they live. And the first <laughs> thing you see is basically he doesn't have to dress himself. He doesn't have to wipe himself. I mean, there was a wipe us to come help him use the restroom. And then the, the bathing. And there was a, there was a line which uh, is also used in the LMFAO song uh, called Yes, where the music video is about curling. But the royal penis is clean. That was a line from the song which they got from this. It was like, ah, uh, I know what you're talking about. That's clever. It's nice. It's fun. Watching it in this movie is again after all these years is like this seems awkward. I, I can't imagine being that pampered on a daily basis where you have no privacy at all. Well, I I I, I know where you're coming from and I get that, but can you imagine that we would take a bath? You're soaking in the bath and all of a sudden this hot chick comes out from underneath the water. <laughs> the royal penis is Clean, sir. Like, would you just lay there and let some girl naked clean your penis and not? Ding? 
Right. Well, yeah. I guess the question is, maybe it happened before, but maybe he got used to it, so he's able to control it because it's not unusual for him. Well, there's also a good joke by uh, by if Mufasa. If I got used to it, <laughs> I, I feel like if if I were to get to the point where I was used to it, I would ask, okay, I need a different girl, you know, because maybe it's that's not what I'm getting used to. I'm just used to that girl, and now it's not <laughs> exciting anymore. Okay. Does that make sense? I, I, I guess, but I, I'm under the impression that he's not taking all the liberties that he can as Prince. Uh, as the father even says at one point, James Earl Jones, are you not having sex with your washers? Because I am. And he's just kind of <laughs> look on his face like, ooh, James Earl Jones, look at you. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, the, the premise of the movie in the beginning is to he, he doesn't want to get married to that yapping girl that will jump on one leg and bark like a dog and bark like a, a big dog and then a little dog. And yeah. he, he doesn't want that. He wants a strong-willed woman to fulfill him. Right. You know, to like put – not put him in his place, but to help mold him, not do whatever he wants, you know. Yeah. Is, is that of any interest to you, a woman that is completely subservient? Well, no. No, I mean that's that's why what's his name went and got Megan Merkel. You know, I mean <laughs> <laughs> he did, he didn't want a, a subservient wife. You know, that would just which, by the do way, whatever he wanted. I'm all for that, except for the part where it interrupts her filming career. Uh, she was on a show called Suits, uh, and I'm pretty sure that yeah. was a very big issue for them. And she was great on the show. And then at one point she had to go off the show and I was like, no, 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 why? Why? You can't. Oh, it was the fucking government that made her stop doing the show, which made another character go off the show. And it was very upsetting. Right. Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, in, in anything, though, in life, it was her choice. She could have said no. And she eventually did, but not till leaving the show. And now the show's over. And I'll never see how it could have gone if she was on the show. Speak, <laughs> speak, speaking of that, my wife is watching the interview with Oprah right now. <laughs> oh, is that? Oh, damn it. I need to watch that. Yeah. I usually don't care about celebrities, but because she was on the show and I want to find out if she comments about the show, it's my only interest. I hate uh, celebrity gossip, but I need to know what's your explanation for the show. Talk about suits. <laughs> I, I I think what's what's drawing me into it is what happened to Princess Diana, and that's the reason why they left the upper echelon of the royal family is because okay. he was so worried about her being going down the same path that his dad, her, his mom did. Right. Okay. Princess Diana, and he didn't want that for her, and so that's why they stepped down and they moved to America. Now. They're living in America and they're living somewhat a normal life. You know, they're not hounded by paparazzi like they were in um, UK, but they're still getting harassed over there and they're not even there. And that's what I think is ridiculous. You know, like they're not even there. And yet you still you're still so consumed by it that you're going to harass them anyway. Now, do you think we're still talking about Eddie Murphy or no? Yeah, I was about to say, do do you think they have bathers? Yeah. uh, And also wipers in the royal palace of uh, of England? uh, I I would want nothing to do with the royal royalty of that if I didn't have a bather. 
<laughs> I wouldn't want to be royal. Unless I One thing I would want is a, Although a I hair did. washer. To, to put my head back in that tub and have them wash my hair when I ever get a haircut, that is glorious. I, I would love yeah, to have wonderful. one of those in home hey, every day. And you, and you go to Supercuts and they go, would you like a hot towel? Yes. That's like the best part. They get that steamy hot towel and they wipe yes. your neck. They get you off. a hot towel? They do. It's just, yeah. You're like royalty. You, you're like you're from uh, – uh, I never got a hot towel. Zamunda. Zamunda is the country. Zamunda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going to Supercuts just to get a uh, hair cleaning and a hot towel is like you're from Zamunda. <laughs> I never got a hot towel thrown to Supercuts. They they backed off for a while, but it's back now. No, you don't understand. <laughs> I, I I never got one. It, it was it was it's new. It's been a decade. I know it's new until the COVID happened and they had to back off, and now it's back again. You don't understand. This is before COVID. I well, maybe it's time to try it out again. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I go to Supercuts. I really don't care how my hair looks. I just want the hot towel at the end. I have to do it myself when I get home and cry in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> I do other things by myself and cry in the corner. Uh, okay. <laughs> like cry in the corner by myself. <laughs> so. We're not laughing. So Akeem basically doesn't want to get married, uh, arranged married to this girl that uh, barks and hops. So he was going to go to America to try to find his, his, his love. And it's it's fun. I don't know if this would hold up now, but I think because of the time back in the 80s, they, when they're coming in, we have to look like we're not royalty. When they have caravans of luggage being stored they're wearing gold around they're just so out of it that they don't understand reality and their bags get stolen immediately (laughs) as soon as the door closes behind them all the bags and clothes are stolen and this guy doesn't care about any of it which which is kind of odd to me If if you're raised in that environment for so long where uh you're not allowed to walk Unless there are rose petals on the floor in front of you, where does it come from inside of him to say this is not right? I'm not. I don't think he thinks it's not right. I just don't think he cares about it because it's all about the fact he's always had it. He's never said that this would be. Were you never worried that you never get it? So when they got disappeared, it's like, eh, fine. It's not like I can't get more. It's, think of it this way: you know how Jeff Bezos has got like how how many billions of dollars, right? Right. This is one guy on, on YouTube that basically put down a grain of rice for every $100,000 represented by Jeff Bezos' uh, fortune. Okay. The amount of – he literally – you know those 50-pound bags of rice? Yeah. That's about – that's two – I think a bag and a half or two bags of that equals his fortune, considering that each grain of rice is about $100,000. Now – you were, let's say you're in the middle of a street and your your stuff from behind you just gets stolen or disappears randomly, right? That's probably what, what fifty grand worth. Yeah, but I, I don't think Bezos was born with that money. He eventually no, earned but this it. one was, and, that, and was that's what born. I mean. That's that's the point. That if you're born yes. into this culture, how do you yes. not? What what makes you say this isn't right? It's not that this isn't right. It's that he's so he's awestruck about what it's different about in America. So the yeah, fact not that, only they, that he's awestruck. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut off. No, no, go on. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. The difference is 
Jeff Bezos would probably be more worried about it than uh, if he was – no, but he would be more worried about it because he worked for it all. Right. So he's he's had to work for it. Akeem, he didn't do anything for this. He just gets it. So if, if somebody takes something, he's like, eh, I'll just get more. Right. You know, or Jeff Bezos is like, shit, I worked hard for that. Somebody stole my – $50,000 or whatever, you know, like, I mean, even though that's a lot of money to us common folks, to him, it's still a drop in the bucket. It's like petty cash, but yeah, it means more because he worked. For and it. for Akeem, that's like, I, 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 I'm worried if I lose 20 bucks, right? Cause I work hard for that 20 bucks. Right. But if I, if, if I was born into riches and I lost 20 bucks and it was nothing, you know, now, if I was a keen and I had no understanding of what was going on around me, I would be just like staring at it. It's like, this is odd. I like watching what is odd. <laughs> so would they steal your shoes? Why would they steal your shoes? You know, that kind of a thing. I, I think it's funny that throughout the movie, the, uh, as they're walking from the apartment to McDowell's to work and stuff like that, they see these homeless people that stole the merchandise, <laughs> uh, stole their stuff, their luggage and stuff. And they're standing around They're They're like, I don't know. I don't know if they're homeless or they're just trying to get warm, but they're standing around fires out of dumpsters with like fur coats and all this fancy yes. stuff, you know, very but ornate. You think if they stole that stuff, would they still be homeless and be around a fire on the streets or would they try and hawk it and sell it and get money? I had the well, same thought, but they did try to do that. And they were like, you ever see one of these guys? And like, whoa! it's just all this bling. Yes, but not right in front of the place where you just stole them from. Go a couple blocks away at least, for the love of God. And, well, they're not and exactly also, what you consider like they're not exactly educated. what you consider. No, not not even so. They're not exactly what you consider black market dealers to begin with. So yeah. they may even be like, Oh, look, I got this right here. But hmm. I, I think generally speaking, the people that stole all that stuff had his eye had their eyes on Eddie Murphy. As soon as he showed up, we're gonna rob him. And then he comes back downstairs. Hey, you want some? Buy some. Oh, you, you would think they would recognize. Oh, that's the guy we just jacked. We got to get out of here. <laughs> but none of that. None of that. <laughs> yeah. And in that, in that scene, you know, not Akeem, but uh, what's our, uh, our Semi. Hall's character's name? Semi. 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 He's like, hey, that's our stuff. And Akeem's like, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> we get more. We, we get more. Yeah. I get, let them no, have it. No let concept the, of money. Let but... the peasants have it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the apartment they have is a rundown shack. And Emmy soups it up with the hot tub and all yeah. that other stuff in it. Well, first of all, the, the room that they get was a crime scene five yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> This is a little over the top for me as far as uh, they go into Queens and first of all, it's dilapidated, obviously. And there's like, this is amazing. Glass on the floor. This is great. Give me your poorest house. Uh, there's tape on the floor. Even a fucking dog has <laughs> died here apparently. <laughs> it's, I know it's a comedy movie, so it's hard to poke fun at yeah. it, but they don't do, actually do chalk out lines and those kinds of things in real life. Akeem's, Akeem's uh, 
presence and what he wants to do is he wants to blend in with normal folk. He doesn't want to come off as royalty. And it's funny to see the banter <laughs> back and forth because because Emmy's like, well, what? no, what, what the? no, we're, who, who are we going to get to do this? And we, we can't live here. And he's like, no, we got to live like regular people. We got to go find jobs, you know? Yeah. And, and Emmy's like, ah, uh, you know, and it's funny because later on in the movie, uh, James Earl Jones, his dad comes is like, why are you staying here? Why aren't you staying at the Waldorf Astoria? You know, yeah. we, they could stay in a lap of luxury. And, but he didn't want to find somebody who wanted him for his money. He wanted to find somebody who wanted him for him. And that was the whole reason why he did this. Which to me was interesting that his target female ended up being somebody that was dating somebody that was crazy rich. And the dad was also about the riches. So it, was a, it was a weird target. Just, just based off of one speech he gave trying to help kids. But then... I feel like as a normal person uh, outside of a comedy movie, if I saw this girl talking on the behalf of kids, I'm interested in her. Find out she's dating a super rich dude. Uh, dad's Just all let your soul glow. <laughs> yes, the, the son of the soul glow empire. That would be kind of a, okay, you're about the money. I'm out. I'd, well, and that's, that's, that's the thing, though. The, the, the father, McDowell's... Um, he wanted her, Lisa to find somebody rich. Right. Right. Because let's be honest, he owns McDowell's. He's not rich. No. You know, he works, he works really hard just to make ends meet because just because you own uh, a franchise of, or actually, I, I think uh, he doesn't own a franchise. He, he bought a fast food restaurant. And he calls it McDowell's because right. he doesn't want to buy into the whole McDonald's franchise and have to be told what to do. He wanted to create his own thing like it, so he called it McDowell's. Um, they don't make a lot of money. I mean, uh, I, I knew when I was 16 years old, I worked at Taco Bell. And the owner of the Taco Bell that I worked at, she owned three Taco Bells. And she wasn't rich. But at 16, I thought, oh, man, you must be you must be making a lot yeah. of money. You, you own know? three businesses? Wow. But yeah, right? You, you, no, she, she was – I wouldn't say she was well off, but she, she worked hard to keep those three Taco Bells running. And eventually she would get more and more. And I think when I quit there, she owned like six Taco Bells. Oh, wow. All right. So, I mean, but that's – it's a lot of work. Yeah, so so McDowell's obviously is a play on McDonald's, but it's not McDonald's because they have the Big Mac and he has the Big Mick and they have the Golden Arches and he has the Golden Arches. Or what was it? Arcs? <laughs> I don't know. Arcs. The Golden Arcs. Uh, is, I don't know if you're going to have this in uh, um, trivia. Quite possibly. What do you got? Of it, but um, – Louis Anderson. Yes. The only reason why he got that role in this movie was because Eddie Murphy was told, you need a white person in this movie. You can't have all black people. You need to get a white person in this movie. And back then, Eddie Murphy, and I heard this on an interview, Eddie Murphy, you know, his friends, Louis Anderson, they're both comedians and stuff. Yeah. So he got Louis Anderson to play this part. And they they fit him in there. 
which added more comedy to it because, you know, it's like, yeah, today I'm washing lettuce yeah. and soon I'll be making fries. And then it's the big bucks. And I'll yeah. be working the drive through or whatever yeah. he said, you know, then burgers, but, then uh, assistant manager. Inter- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this interview that just happened recently and it came out, <laughs> Louis Anderson's like, really? That's why I got the part. <laughs> I love Louis. He's a funny guy. Yeah. But that's that's why he got the part because they needed to hire a white guy, and he's like, "I'm friends with Louis Anderson. He's funny. Let's get him." <laughs> no, he, he was he was a funny comedian, and I, I still think he is. Uh, always overlooked though, like Brian Regan. Yes. As, as a clean comic, it's hard to get as much acclaim as the comics that go into the the blue stuff. But I've been watching a lot of comedians lately, and and I have an app on my phone called Drybar. Oh, it's right, Drybar Comedy, mm-hmm. dude. There, it's all clean, but it's really funny shit. <laughs> As I say the word shit, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so now there's a, there's a montage that happens where they start going to bars and trying to pick up chicks, and it seems like it's all in the same bar, uh, but it's fine. Who cares? There's <laughs> a series of ridiculous horrible people uh one girl uh, the, the first one i got a secret i worship satan like, that's the opening line that's your opening line to to a date this girl starts burning her hand uh i was uh oh no i blanked her name uh joan of arc i was joan of arc in her previous life and then we got some twins uh, two sets of twins actually and then for the i think it's the first time that we see no no that's not true Multiple characters being played here. This is one of Arsenio's alternate characters. As the, as the weird, creepy, bad date, Arsenio in drag wanting to not only bang Eddie Murphy, but also bang himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, should, we should talk about the characters. Uh, this, is, this happens throughout the entire movie. The first time we see Eddie Murphy not as Eddie Murphy was at the barbershop. Is that right? When he first gets to Queens, he goes to a mighty sharp. Yeah, I think so because he has to cut the thing off the back of his head, right? Right. The and tail. Yeah. Did you notice who was in the chair? The as soon as you you come into the barbershop, the person that was in the chair at the time. No, I didn't. Was it Eddie Murphy? There was Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh. sitting in that chair, getting his haircut by Eddie Murphy, and uh, oh, by old Eddie Murphy, and and then uh, young Eddie Murphy, Akeem, comes in. And they're talking so much trash about boxing uh, between the other guy, which is also Arsenio Hall, and Eddie Murphy, and then the other uh, old Jewish guy, also played by Eddie Murphy. That that was a very fun scene to watch. And I'm not sure if I knew at the time that Eddie Murphy was also the Jewish guy. I I knew for sure he was a barber. And Arsenio was the other guy, but I did not know Eddie Murphy was the Jewish guy in in this in the in the barbershop. Did you recall when you first watched it? Was was that apparent to you guys? Uh, it it was. I would say it was apparent to me, but uh, when I watched it for the first time, my parents told me that's Eddie Murphy. Ah, so I, I knew because I was told that was that. And then ah. after that, I was like, "That's Eddie Murphy." Aha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's the spoon? <laughs> you want to try the soup? Try the soup. You got to try the soup. It's good. It's good. Try the soup. Well, I would try the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha. 
rewatching it this time, I didn't realize that came at the very end of the movie. I thought it was somewhere in the middle. Because th- that, <laughs> to this day, is still my favorite scene of the entire movie. It's so it's such a little throwaway thing, but that's got me the most pleasure I think out of this entire movie. So, <laughs> I, I I I think it's funny the one scene where um, the Soul Glow uh, son of Soul Glow, and they're all sitting on the uh, couch, and they all get up from the couch, and there's grease spots <laughs> yeah. where all their heads were. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. You caught me mid breath. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> that was a great scene. Let's talk about Soul Glow guy, the uh, the son of Soul Glow, which has been in countless movies after the fact of this. Oh yeah, but he was a real dick, right? Like right off the bat, he was what you would expect Akeem to be. Rich. Yes. Oh, interesting. Because he also comes from a kind of royalty, American royalty. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, and he's like, why? Because he he was a dick. Because at some point he was like, why? Why you got to mess around with these people? Like, like she, at least it was like, oh, but he's like, they're 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 nothing, you know. Leave leave them alone. They, get away from me, you know. Yeah, it, it, it became super apparent to me at the uh, at the basketball game where he's like, so what do you do in Africa? What kind of sp- Sports? Do you guys do like oh soccer? Yeah, okay. It was really hard hitting balls with your head. It, it was it was super aggressive to the point where I didn't. It didn't make sense to me that Lisa would be interested in this guy at all. It, it, we're led to believe Lisa is a good-hearted person. For her to be dating this guy, it just doesn't track for me. She was dating him. I got the impression. That she was dating him to appease her father, but she also seemed interested. Like, like when, when he first shows up, she's not like, "Oh, it's you." She's like, "Oh, good, you're here. Let's go do things." Well, she was, she was, she was a loyal person. I mean, she seems to be a very loyal person, and she was dating this guy, and there was probably attributes about him that she did like, you know, but. The overall person, she was probably just trying to give him a chance and trying to mold him into what she wanted him to be. You know, the, I mean, it's just throughout the movie, she's like, oh, come on. You know, she got once she started to get to know Akeem, she started to try and mold him to be more like Akeem. Okay. Especially when, especially when he was saying stuff about Akeem, look at him, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, he's sweet, but you know. Stuff like that. Yeah, she was trying to mold him, but I, th- I think in the end she realized you're just a douche, and Akeem is who I want to be with. I, I think what she realized was that the Soul Glow guy, uh, she didn't really actually see his soul. The soul that she did see glowing was Akeem's. Is this thing on? Now, do you, do you, do you, do you, I, I'm stepping in because the crickets were getting louder. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, I don't think Lisa would be the type of woman that would be okay with Akeem getting his royal penis cleaned by anybody else but her. <laughs> so therefore, would she insist that she goes into the bath with him mm. to clean his penis? 
Oh, because <laughs> if he if he's like he's like I I don't I don't clean my own penis so baby you know you're gonna have to take a bath with me and clean the royal penis if you don't want these <laughs> other hot chicks doing it. For I'm you. sure as soon as uh, they were married. <laughs> spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, they <laughs> once once they got married, there were some changes around the, uh, the castle or whatever you want to call it, whatever they were on the palace. There were some changes. Zamunda, sure. yeah, in Zamunda. <laughs> so one of the things that also kind of uh, gets Lisa to recognize Akeem is there was an attempted robbery at McDowell's. Enter one Samuel Jackson with a shotgun. Comes in, shoots the roof, demands the money, which Louis Anderson is very clumsily trying to stuff in the bag and dropping money and putting it in. And then uh, there was a montage earlier where we saw Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy fighting with uh, with the bow staff. He's pretty good with the bow staff. And we know that he's a fighter. So Akeem takes the the mop, unscrews it from the actual mop part of it, and uses it as a bow staff to knock down Samuel Jackson. And uh, that that was it was fun for me to see Sam Jackson. I, I forgot he was in this movie completely until I saw it this time. And seeing Sam Jackson in full Sam Jackson mode was like, this is, this is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It also made me realize how young he looked in this scene. I mean, he didn't age horribly. Uh, he still looks very good, but seeing him this young was kind of jarring to me. Like, oh, Jesus. It's a little bit of a contrast, but maybe that's just me. Uh, so this gets... Akeem and Sem, uh, Semi, Semi, Akeem and Semi on the radar of McDowell, and he invites him over to the house. Hey, you guys did some really good job with that guy that robs us all the time. So come to the house, and he sets up uh, Semi, Semi, it's Semi, Semi <laughs> as a valet Parker, and then puts Akeem as a bartender. Uh, this to me was a missed opportunity for for a joke, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Sammy has never never driven a car. I, there's no reason for him to have driven a car. I imagine a, a slight cutscene to cars all crunched into each other. They're like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. Here. <laughs> My, he was he was uh, Akeem's. Best friend or like it's closest serv- closest servant conf- confidant or whatever. Yeah, like, he was like his roadie. I, I think it was just like his. Well, we know him to be for sure his trainer in the bow staff usage, but they were also very good friends. So maybe he was yeah. a servant. I don't know. But was he always a, a servant, or did he grow up and then Akeem, being the type of person he is, took him under his wing and? You know, the, the only thing I can, I guess, glean from it is that later on, when uh, Sammy does claim to be the prince to the sister, so that makes me the servant. So I, <laughs> yeah. so, so I guess he was the servant of Akim. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's when they were in the hot tub. Uh, when he was in the hot tub with Patrice. Yeah, it was when Patrice came into the house and saw that you you guys are rich. What is all this about? And, that, and that's when they apparently fall in love. Uh, but he, he's, he's he's trying to hide his riches from from Lisa, but he also gives uh, 
he also gives uh, Sammy the right to fine fix the apartment. He fixes it too well, and now he's embarrassed of a nice apartment, so they have to go somewhere else. And he takes the money from Sammy and gives it to some random homeless people, and and the manager of the apartments goes into their apartment with right. the hot tub. Yeah, <clears throat> which has also been in a lot of things. That guy, I recognize him from so many things. Uh, so now because. Sammy's money is all gone because Akeem took it. Sammy sends a uh, telegram back home. Hey, we're in trouble. We're out of money. Send help. We're screwed. I need a million dollars. <laughs> Which then forces the king to come down and now all bets are off. Wait, before you do that, remember where he puts the money. Yeah, in a, in a McDowell's bag. And then? And then to the homeless guys. Which are Randolph and Mortimer. Mortimer. <laughs> Which, I, I, Which is the Dan Aykroyd Eddie Murphy movie from beforehand. Exactly right. And that, that, I do have that in trivia. In fact, since you brought it up, let me just go right to that trivia fact. Now, the homeless men that receive the money from Prince Akeem are the Duke brothers, Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici, from Trading Places. This is a 1983 movie, also directed by John Landis. In that movie... Uh, Murphy was responsible for the Dukes losing their fortune. So in, in that movie, Eddie Murphy caused these guys to go broke, which is why they're now homeless. <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy gives them money. We're back. We're <laughs> uh, which, by the way, uh, from what I've read, uh, these guys, they had an experiment. They had a thought process of what would it be like if – Money wasn't an issue. Would you be more successful or less successful if you came from no money or from a lot of money, which is where Trading Places came from? I never actually saw Trading Places, but I've seen several movies of the same kind of ilk where people traded. Oh, dude, you should watch that film. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. uh, Who's the one lady? What's her name? Ah, crap. The one that played True Lies, the wife. What was her name? Susan Sarandon. No. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. True Lies. Jamie Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. She was in the she was in the, the it, film as well. It was, uh, it was I haven't seen Trading Places in a long time, but it was it was a good movie. I liked it. Okay. So that was a nice little uh throwback in the middle of the movie to a previous movie. Uh seven years later earlier? Eighty eight, three, five years earlier. Math is hard. Uh so the king comes to Queens. Uh, and now, every all bets are off. Everything's screwed. Uh, Eddie Murphy's plans about trying to get her to fall in love. Now they are in love at this point, which is weird for me in movies where people fall in love so quickly. We talked about this on Love Actually uh, a couple weeks ago. Hold on, so quickly they fell in love so quickly that relationship started. I mean, because this movie took place not in a couple days. This movie took place over. I I, I got the impression it took, it took place over months, a few months. No, uh, maximum was forty days, because at, at the beginning he had forty days <laughs> to go to America, uh, and then come back for the wedding. But the king came back prematurely, so less than forty days. So in the course okay. of a month, plus he also had to first figure out where she was, 
get the job, and then work on it. So this this was maybe two, three weeks at, at the most, uh, in my estimation. Okay, so it's it, it, it was uh, not coincidence, but it was fate that that this all happened, and he found Lisa. But it's not to say that going ludicrous speed, going plaid. It's plaid um, for me, man. It's is, is a bad thing, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, <clears throat> within two to three weeks to meet somebody, fall in love. And by the way, I'm assuming this has only been a week, maybe a week and a half that they've actually been dating together to be in love to the point of marriage. That's outrageous. That is Yeah, but but you got to think about it. They they had uh, Lisa and Akeem. Akeem was seeing in her every quality that he was looking for okay and lisa it seemed to me was able to talk to him and have conversation with him that she had been dying to have with somebody and she felt comfortable having these conversations with him so lisa found in him everything she was looking for albeit she didn't know he was rich and prince you know um because that's not what he presented yeah and so she actually got to know him for him not him as the prince which is why when she found out that he was the prince she flipped out and he was rich and blah blah blah, because she felt like she was lied to right and then he explained to her that, no, I, I didn't want you to know me as the prince. I wanted you to know me as me. I want you to know me, not the prince. Yeah. Real, realistically speaking, though, that's a relationship started and founded on lies. So I, I can't imagine this would go the distance. Lies. You said lies is plural. It was just one lie. He didn't want her to know he was rich. But the way he felt and what he talked about and how he f- was doing things and why he was doing it was all the truth. Understood. He lied about one thing. He didn't tell her. Well, lies, lies beget lies. He, he said, I'm not a prince. I'm a goat herder. Uh, there was a series of lies to keep up the lie, the original lie. It, it was, it's Who all... knows? Maybe he does herd goats. You know? <laughs> he herds elephants, I think. Uh, <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. Uh, he has a babar, uh, which hangs out. <laughs> <laughs> At the babar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Everything comes to a head. He confronts her on the subway. Hey, I love you. Yeah, I'm a prince, but who cares? Uh, and she says no. So he flies back to, oh no, Zamunda. <laughs> ah, I was muted. I was like, ah, oh, I was going to say Zamunda. Uh, Zamunda. So he goes back to Zamunda to marry the other girl, which uh, I, we would assume is still hopping on one foot, barking like a dog. And <laughs> turns out it's Lisa. Because the father and mother had a change of heart. Well, the father had a change of heart. The mother talked sense into Mufasa to let this play out. <laughs> Mufasa. It Say it again, Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically it. They get married and all is well in the world. So th- did this hold up for you as well as you thought it was going to from previous viewings? Yeah, I knew it was going to. Okay. I, I knew it was going to because this is this, this, this is a great movie. It's a, okay, this movie holds up 
very well. And I like Beverly Hills Cop. I told you we should have done Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> because I wanted to see a movie that maybe didn't hold up as well as this. Okay. I love Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, I remember I mean, liking it as well. Who's going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mish, did this hold up for you as well as uh, previous viewings? Uh, for me, it, it felt just the same as it did before. I mean, I always enjoyed this film. Uh, I knew all the twists and turns. I did find it interesting now watching this film as a full-fledged adult seeing all the little like quips and bits that I didn't understand as a child. Ah, yes. So that was in itself another eye opener for me. I'm like, Ooh, you are that. great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It okay. made, it made the movie new for me again because of that. Yeah. It's funny because I saw this when I was young. I, I, I this came out in 88, 88. Yep. 88. Uh, I was nine. I probably saw it when I was 10 years old. Somewhere around there. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I got to watch a lot of movies when I was 10. That, you know, most, like, I, I have a nine-year-old now, and I'm like, I would not let him watch this. Oh. But <laughs> I can look back. When I saw this when I was probably 10, there's a lot of shit I didn't get. Yeah. You know? Like, I, when I was 10, oh, the royal penis is clean, sir. Uh, I just thought it was funny that, oh, my God, this, this girl's cleaning is I, I didn't take anything sexual out of it, you know, because yeah. th- that's not where my mind was at 10. Right. right. So now it's like, okay, would I let my nine-year-old watch this? Hell no. No. A lot of boobs at the beginning as well. That- <laughs> but but there's a lot of boobs in National Geographic shows too when they're doing stuff from over there. I mean, it's just more native. Right, but, and, but there's, and there's no then sexual you context. To them, oh, this is normal. They're native. They're a third world country. They're, they're native. Blah blah blah. But yeah, but they're just walking around. They're not in a bathtub with another man washing his penis. Well, that's <laughs> that's 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 natural. It's native. Sure. I, I watched a movie the other day with my nine year old. I can't remember what movie it was. Oh, Matrix. Ah. We watched Matrix, and the first one was fine, but the second one, there's the sex scene in Zion? between Neo and yeah. and, and Trinity mm-hmm. in Zion. And I forgot about it, but as the scene started, I was like, oh, turn around, and I fast-forwarded through it. <laughs> they never really showed no scene, but I, I was just insecure at letting him see yeah. – what was transpiring. Understood. Yeah. That was the same way when, with my daughter watching stuff like that. Like, Oh no. But luckily for me, she, she was already like, Bam! she covered her own eyes. Like, I see where this is going. And even like people kissing, she'd be like, Nope, I don't want to see kissing either. She was, <laughs> she's very self uh, editing that way. I, I tease him now when we're watching a show and a guy and a girl kiss. I was like, Ooh, they're kissing. <laughs> Make it all a big deal. And he's like, ah, I know it's no big deal, Dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like I said, top show we have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. Let's hear from people who actually have credentials, and also other audience members. We're going to hear from people uh, from the top critics and the audience, and this is going to help you guys in the tomato meter game later on. So, let's start with the good reviews from the top critics. This is from Kathleen Carroll from New York Daily News. 
Murphy was dealt audiences. What? Murphy has dealt audiences, the movie equivalent of a royal flush, and he is now clearly Hollywood's reigning king of comedy. That was from 2015. Oh, my. It's from Time Out. This is a top critic from 2006. Superb comic timing, a satirical edge, and Murphy's extraordinary gift for mimicry lifted right out of the trough of mediocrity to which it is all but consigned by its utterly predictable storyline. All right. Bad reviews from the top critics. This is from Duane Burge from The Hollywood Reporter, 2019. This comedy is generally tame and sappy. What we get is homogenized Eddie Murphy, drained of his kinetic comedy charm and smiling sass. It's from Variety from 2008. Starts on a bathroom joke, quickly followed by a gag about private parts, then wanders in search of something equally original for Eddie Murphy to do for another couple of hours. All right. Now we're going to do the Rotten Tomatoes game. This is the part of the show where I make you guys guess the score of the movie based on its Rotten Tomatoes score. For those who aren't familiar with the scoring system, it's an average score from 0 to 100 amongst the critics and the audience. 0 to 59 is rotten, 60 to 84 is fresh, 85 and up is certified fresh. So you heard the top critics. What do you think the top critics rated this? I have a question. Yes. The bad reviews. Yes. What year were those? The first one was 2019. The second one was 2008. Okay. My problem with both those bad ones is they're reviewing a movie from 2019 and 2008, and this movie came out in 1988. Understood. So the content and the comedy in it in 1988 was fresh. Yes. But if you're watching this for the first time and reviewing it in 2019 and 2008, it seems dull and it seems redundant and boring and, oh, this is old shit. You know, this has been done before. Yeah, it's been done before in 1988 by this movie. Yeah. Well, the thing is with Rotten Tomatoes, generally there's not reviews before 2007 because I think 2007 is when Rotten Tomatoes came on the scene. Okay. And I, 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 I get that. I understand that. But was these the critics or was this the audience? I, I can't remember. This were the top critics. Okay. These guys don't belong to be top critics because <laughs> they're not reviewing the movie in the eyes of – it being 1988. If they're going to point out stuff like this, oh, stuff like this was done before, blah, blah, you know. But not 1988. They shouldn't be top critics then. Okay. That's just my opinion. All right. But it also, in my opinion, I think if I remember, uh, well, I, I mean, I was 10, but I, <laughs> I, I think this got raving reviews. I think it's certified fresh. Um, I'm going to go 89. Okay, Maestro, top critics. Wow, you guys went really high on that. Uh, 75. 75. The Tomato Meter does have this as fresh at 71%. Ah. The tomato Meter. All right, now let's do the I think, it was, better. I think it was better than that. Huh? Maestro's wrong. <laughs> okay. he, he, mis- correct. he mistaked you got it oh, <laughs> belly. all right let's start with the bad reviews from the audience this is from 2017 from scott m story about a prince from africa who travels to america in search of a wife really horrible eddie murphy is embarrassingly bad he cashed a check here however i did like the movie when he's not on screen 
which is uh, not a lot of the movie, it turns out. <laughs> He's on screen most of the time. Uh, Christy P. from 2008. Okay movie. Some funny scenes. I think I'd rather it the first time I watched it. It's not one I can rewatch and still find the same humor in it. Gets old for me after the first run. All right. Good reviews from the audience. This is from Michael M. from 2016. One of Eddie's best. He was at the height of his powers. And back then, we loved seeing his multiple characters. Obviously, he later ran the shtick into the ground. But back in 88, it was hysterical. Soul glow and McDowell's for life. <laughs> from 2008, this is from a private user. They didn't want to put their name. Ooh. This movie is one of the mo- uh, one of those movies that you cannot forget its moments of humor and of character. Years later, you still remember the African culture, the contrast, and the pop culture of New York City in the 80s. Those neon-colored sweats, glaring pink screams, the era. <laughs> All right. There's a good and bad reviews from the audience. What do you think the audience rated this on Rotten Tomatoes? I am going to stick with my 89. That was that one uh, negative review. That was really horrible. I mean, he hated everything Eddie Murphy, and I have no reason understanding why he would because watch that, because that person hates Eddie Murphy. That would well, be you, like me trying to me trying to critique a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> yeah, well, the movie my, was great when Nicolas Cage wasn't on the screen. That that would be my review. See, I get that, but he was. This is not for a person that it. This review wasn't meant to be a person that had credentials. It's like yeah. what we do. Right. That makes more sense now because we're forced to watch these movies. Right. If, if I were to rate an Adam Sandler movie, I would be like, well, Sandler was being Sandler and you get what you pay for. <laughs> so that was Sandler doing Sandler. Yeah. It sucked. Uh, but <laughs> that, that means that uh, I remember last episode, Maestro said something about somebody's critique. It was like, Oh no, we were asking what his take is on the tomato meter, what his tomato meter score would be, which we added that to the show now. Right. And he's like, uh, I'd give it this, but it's not my gig. It's not my kind of show, but this is my opinion because it's not what I like. So it, 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 to be able to have an unbiased critique about a movie, if it's not your stick or if the main character in the movie is somebody you despise and you don't like their comedy, like you wouldn't do an Adam Sandler movie because you, you would just give every single one of them bad. Right. You know, that wouldn't work. If, if I were to do a Nicolas Cage movie, say, uh, um, treasure hunt, right? Treasure, national treasure, treasure. national treasure. Love the movie. I love the movie. Cause I love the premise of the movie. I love the story and I like the mystery of it and stuff. And it's, you know, I love that, but I don't like Nicolas Cage <laughs> in a lot of movies because you've seen one Nicolas Cage, you've seen his face and you've seen them all. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this, uh, knowing that I don't like Sandler movies, there are a few that I do like. So if I was a reviewer reviewing the good ones and saying this was good, would that be weird? Because then if, if I'm doing that, why can't I do the bad ones and say those are bad? Maybe it's not that I don't hate Adam Sandler. I just hate the choices he makes. Well, films. you hate that type of comedy. But yeah. some people have a different opinion as you and be like, that's great because they love Adam Sandler's type of comedy. One of my favorite movies from Adam Sandler is 50 First Dates. I just think 
the yeah. story about it, you know, is, is kind of funny. It's almost like a, a Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Like, reverse Groundhog's Day. Uh, Uncut Gems, which is, it came out, I think, last year, uh, Sandler on Netflix. No comedy, straight movie, and it was, it was amazing, and he did a great job. So, so it's not Adam Sandler you don't like. You don't like his comedy. Exactly. You don't like his over-the-top comedy. There's people out there that don't like other people's comedy, and they wouldn't like their movies. Right. But that, it's your opinion. You right. know? And like my parents told me when I was younger, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and they all smell like shit. Yeah. So. They all stink. All right. So audience, what do you think the audience rated this movie on Rotten Tomatoes? I, I'm sticking with 89. 89. That's right. Uh, Mishra. 75. Oh, wait, wait, wait. 65. 65. The audience has this as certified fresh. Oh. 85%. Well done, audience. All right. This one's going to be weird. Uh, Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman. Oh, before we do that, actually. Before we do that. Coincidentally, the audience has it at what I would put it at, which is 85. There you go. I was about to ask. So if you were to rate this movie yourself. Zero to hundred on the Rotten Tomato scale. What's your rating? We got Cowboys at eighty-five. What do you got, Mishro? I'll put it at seventy-five straight. Seventy-five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm going. Uh, I'll actually right between you guys. I was going to go seventy-nine. I still want it to be fresh. Uh, it's it's cute. It's fun, but it's not like I'll, I'll watch this over and over and over again. Like I get it. I got it. I got what I need to get from the movie, and I'll I'll watch it again in a couple of years. But wasn't groundbreaking in any way. It was kind of predictable, I, but it was fun. It was it was a nice. I show. guess part of the reason why I put it at eighty five. Part of the reason. Part of the reason why I put it at eighty five is because I remember watching it when I was younger, and it was like the greatest thing. And so when I watch this movie, I reflect back to when I was younger watching it for the first time. It just being, yeah, hilarious, absolutely hilarious. All right. So, uh, have you seen the new one that, that came out on Amazon yet? I have not yet. No. <clears throat> Check it out. It, it it's uh, as soon as I saw the previews, I was very upset. Like you can't. There's no way this is going to be funny. There's no way. And I was very pleasantly surprised by by the sequel, especially watching it back to back. It was uh, uh, well a day or two passed in between, but you get a lot more references watching it close to watching the original again. I, I think it was pretty good. I, I, I'm not going to win any awards or anything, but it held up more than most sequels hold up in this kind of regard. But All right. So Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were not in this film. Uh, this is going to be a tough one to do because uh, this was only one white person in the cast, as uh, Cowboy pointed out. So if you were to put Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman in this movie, who would you take out and replace them with? Um, Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti, I could see as the apartment manager. Okay. You know, um, as far as Gary Oldman, um, yeah, that's, it's kind of tough (laughs) because I, I don't know, I probably one of the homeless people. Okay. They went up to sell the stuff, you know, the guy that went, hey, you want to, oh, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like the one white guy in the neighborhood. Yeah. What do you get, Mr. Honestly, guys, I don't really know. I mean, I could put 
it, it, one of Eddie Murphy's characters, if you could put switch them out, but I don't, I don't see, I don't see it. I mean, I, I like the characters where they are. Okay, that's fine. I, I, if, I put, if I put Giamatti and anyone in, I'd probably just put him in, like just bystanders in the background, really. Yeah, generally we do bad movies, so swapping these guys out helps the movie Difficult. quite a bit. Yeah, but this one was decent. It, it was it was good enough that you didn't need to replace anybody. Yeah. However, uh, I, I think I would like to see uh, Oldman as the apartment manager, and Giamatti would be the third person in the barbershop, the one that loved Randy singing. <laughs> Just like, yeah, oh, this guy sounds great. Like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> How about <laughs> how, how about seeing Gary Oldman as the Soul Glow Kid with the Cherry Girls, <laughs> <laughs> and have that whole family be uh, white people taking advantage of the Cherry Curls and coming up with Soul Glow and making a fortune off the black people, sort of like cigarette companies right. make a fortune off. By making menthol <laughs> cigarettes cheaper in black neighborhoods. Yeah, it'd be a different movie, but I, <laughs> I like where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do trivia. This is part where I give you guys little bits of factual information you may not know about the movie. I love trivia so much, so I always overload this. So here's a bunch of them. After the makeup and clothing was applied for the Jewish character Saul, Eddie Murphy wanted to test the makeup and costume out. He got a golf cart and drove from one studio department to another in Paramount Studios. He would get out of the cart and say in his regular voice, Hi, I'm Betty Murphy. <laughs> Nobody believed him. <laughs> That's some pretty good makeup. Uh, the McDowell's restaurant was actually a Wendy's on Queens Boulevard that was scheduled to be closed for renovation. The production had approval from McDonald's corporate headquarters, which apparently did not pass the word down to the local outlets. On the day McDowell's sign went up, the manager of the McDonald's... <laughs> A half mile up the road, arrived with his lawyer and took photographs, telling the set dressing the crew that they would be sued for everything they were worth. <laughs> so I assume the, the guy taking pictures, that was kind of an homage to what actually happened in real life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's uh, funny. Let's see. Uh, we already did the homeless guys. All right. Humorist and columnist Art Butchwald sued Paramount Pictures, alleging they stole the idea of the movie. And he won. He was awarded damages for $900,000 from Paramount. Mm. Back then, that was probably a lot of money. Almost a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, I think this movie, this movie came out before the uh, suing for $5 million because my coffee I got from McDonald's was hot and it didn't say yeah. contents hot on the uh, – that's why we have warning labels on everything now. I'm um, sure. Uh, Kubikin Jr. shot a scene with his character, the guy <laughs> getting his hair cut where he tells Clarence he doesn't have the money to pay for his haircut. Clarence responded by shaving a bald patch out of his head. This was cut from the movie, which Cuba Gooding Jr. was not happy about. I was like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> that would have been fun. According to John Landis, it was his idea to have Eddie Murphy wear makeup to play a Jewish man as a sort of payback <clears throat> for Jewish comedians wearing blackface in the early 1900s. This is, something, this is something I, I wondered, that if they were going to have that same character in the new movie, t- to still have a black guy doing white face or a white Jewish face even, I thought, you, you can't do that in this day and age. But they did it, and it was fantastic. <laughs> Why? All right. 
Money Makes the World Go Round. Why don't I put this film in perspective with other films that were released this year so we get a feel financially how it held up to its peers? The budget for this film was $39 million. What do you think this grossed in the U.S. and the foreign box office combined? Well, hold on a second. $39 million and half the characters were Eddie Murphy? <laughs> he played four no, characters. Half, half the characters were Eddie Murphy. The other half is Arsenio Hall. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. And the other half were other people. Um, but, but that $39 million for this movie back in 1988, that's a lot of money. There's also a lot of makeup involved with uh, transforming them, which yeah, you're you're not wrong. Um, but I, uh, judging from the Rotten Tomatoes and how popular I believe this movie was back then, I I'm going to say it did very well. I'm going to say 225 million. Well, that's right. a good one. It was 1980 something. 88. Right? 88. Yes. Yes. 1988. <clears throat> oh, wow. I can't even think. I can't even extrapolate based upon how much money that. Okay. So. <sighs> 250. 250. And, and Cowboy said 225. All right. In the U.S., this grossed $128.2 million. In the foreign box office, $160.6 million. Bring the total. Two hundred and eighty-eight point eight million dollars. That's that's wow. why I don't like going first because all he has to do is go higher or lower. Two twenty-six. No, I'll tell you what. Next time I'll go. I'll, next time I will go first. No, I, I'm just giving you a hard time because we go back and forth all the time. It doesn't matter. I know. This film that's debuted why, on. That's why I said it because I didn't really care either. This film debuted on June 29th, 1988, with $21.4 million. This was the second highest-grossing film of 1988. Number one that year. Back to the Future? No. Damn it. I'm supposed to look this up. Star Wars? I'm pretty sure we did this movie on the podcast. Back in the day. Uh, 78, my bad. Dang it. You said Back to the Future. It has one of the characters from Back to the Future in it. Uh, It also has... The guy that played Mario in Mario Brothers. John Leguizamo? No. No, that's Luigi. Luigi. Mario, yeah. It also is mostly animated. Who framed Roger oh, Rabbit? Who framed Roger, Roger Rabbit. Rabbit? That's right. God. All right. That's okay. right, Eddie. Yeah, no. My face sounded like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we end, oops. I did it again. You may have noticed a time or two that one of us has made mistakes, mostly me, probably. Who knows? So to make myself feel better, I'm going to tell you other times, or times in this film. See, that was a mistake right there. Uh, <laughs> times that this film also made a mistake. So, Akeen, when telling Cleo McDowell about the football game, said that the ball was kicked through a big H. Goalposts have not been H's since 1967. So he should refer to it as a fork. Not an H. At around 29 minutes. It, 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 hold on, hold on. Um, it depends on which country, because, <laughs> um, or, or which type of foot, because I re- remember in high school, our goalposts at the stadium at my high school, they were H's. Right. But in professional football, not so. 
Was it a professional football game? Or I'm pretty was it a sure college football game? He, he said, did you watch the uh, professional uh, football champion? Or, or so, uh, <laughs> he phrased it in such a weird way. I was, try, I was trying to give him like, a yeah. pass on it, you know, just because I gave it an 85. So whatever. Yeah. This one I did I catch, missed. and I, I'm, I'm assuming others did as well. At around 29 minutes, when the landlord describes the apartment to Akeem and Semi, he says, it's only got one window facing a brick wall. In the next scene, Akeem is out on the balcony, which is access through a window. In the same shot, Sammy opens another window directly to Akeem's left to speak with him. There is also another window directly to Akeem's right, which appears to be from the same apartment. I did catch that one. At around 42 minutes at the Black Awareness Rally, Cleo whispers, plug the new salad bar. To uh, Talisa, the next scene includes a walkthrough of McDowell's. There's no salad bar. It's not there. And the last one, <laughs> at around 33 minutes, when Akeem goes to, his, to cut his ponytail, the stand-in for Saul is visible in the mirror. So the guy that was the actually Jewish guy, you could see the stand-in for him in the reflections. Ah. All right. That's it. That was Coming to America from 1988, directed by John Landis. Check out our website, ratpackpodcast.com slash spoilers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Spoiler Show. Check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Ratpack Productions. Write to us via email, spoilers at ratpack.productions for any questions, opinions, or movie requests. If you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and give us a recommendation, that movie goes to the top of our list. We'll watch it before any other movie. Next week, there is a movie that just came out. It's called Raya and the Last Dragon. It's- Yay! It is also an animated feature. So I decided, what's another animated feature we could do? Which also oh, has a dragon. Favorite. So we're going to do the, the beginning of this saga, which has stemmed sequels, I'm pretty sure TV shows, and so on. Uh, From 2010, How to Train Your Dragon. Great. I'm, I'm curious to watch this again with spoilers goggles on. I remember liking it, no. but <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You're, you're going to love it. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. It's been a while. This is toothless, right? Yes. Just make sure you have a glass of water with you. Oh, okay. A glass of water filled with your tears. Oh. No, a glass of water. So when you start to hiccup. Ah, uh, did <laughs> All right. So check that out for next time. Until then, I am Adam. I'm... What? Whoa, 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 whoa,